Welcome to Studs. I'm Daniel Lazar. Thank you so much for tuning in. Studs explores and honors working. It also honors the life's work of the oral historian and legendary Chicago radio host, Studs Terkel. And in my effort to close this social distance, Studs gives me the opportunity to check in with the people I love and take a deep dive into what they do for a buck. This episode of Studs features a conversation with Joe Leto. Joe talks about how a happy coincidence in the dormitory's freshman year launched him into a successful career as a massage therapist. He walks you through how his hands talk. And I'll tell you, dude's got magic hands. He also compares himself to Rambo. That happened. All right, friends and loved ones. Here's my chat with Joey Jojo. Joe Leto, welcome to the podcast. It is a bona fide pleasure to have you. You studied history and sociology at university. You're a massage therapist. Can you walk me along that path? Absolutely. And thank you for having me on here. Uh, It's my pleasure too. I was the first person in my family to ever graduate from high school. I had high expectations of myself. I just always knew I wanted to help people. Teaching was something that always interested me, and I wanted to be a guidance counselor also. So uh, that kind of pointed me towards that profession. But in our first year in college, when we were in the dorms, I went down and took a massage class down in the lobby one night a week for five weeks. First session, you teamed up with someone else, and you learned a hand massage and a back massage. And the second session, we went down, and it was all new people. So the teacher was like, Joe, I don't know what's going on. We were supposed to learn something new. So do you want to just help me teach the class, and we'll do what we did last week? And I was like, sure. So I helped her teach the class, and afterwards, she kept me for an hour by myself and taught me arms. And the third week, I helped her teach the class, and she taught me legs. So Having been the first person in my family to ever go to college, I wasn't going to call home and say, hey, I'm dropping out to go rub people. (laughs) So I wanted to complete my degree. And uh, I loved teaching, but it was more important to me to travel and see the world as opposed to being a teacher where you want to stay in one school and get tenure. And I knew that I loved massage and wanted to pursue it as a profession. So as soon as I graduated, I went to the Chicago School of Massage, uh, which was one of the best schools in the country. Since then, I've been doing this for almost 20 years and was able to work in California, Colorado, Chicago, South Carolina, U.S. Virgin Islands, British Virgin Islands, and it's been wonderful. What happened at the uh, on the first floor of the dorms Uh, It sounds like one of these rare but beautiful stories of uh, love at first sight, if you will. You just connected. Tell me about that. You know, when people tell me, oh, I've had thousands of massages and you're the best they've ever had, I tell them, well, I'm truly blessed to have found what I'm meant to do. Can you think back 20, 25 years and remember what it was that you loved about it? What drew you to it with such a unique passion? It really was the sense of helping people. You know, that's a core value in our profession. And and that's part of what makes a, a good therapist into a great therapist is that love of connecting with people and 
making their lives better, even for a short time. You know, in in our profession as teachers, I tell people that, you know, you're always looking for that moment when you see in the kids' eyes that you've touched their lives and you've made a difference. I get that on a weekly, sometimes daily basis with massage. So you do connect so well with people, both physically and verbally. And you obviously have such a broad arsenal of approaches and techniques. Because I will say, I am one of those people. I have had hundreds of massages, and I will never forget the massage I got from you 10 years ago, 12 years ago, maybe. Mind-blowing. Totally other-level work. Thank you. Without getting too far into technique, how do you approach this thing? I fully see massage therapy as an art form and we are artists. So each massage therapist is going to provide a different treatment. No two will be the same. What I've learned is that when you graduate from massage school, you come out with a roller and a big paintbrush and a small paintbrush. Each continuing education class that you take, each new technique that you learn is a new paintbrush that you can use in your palette. So every different modality that I've learned and every class I've taken in the 18 plus years since I graduated, you take a little piece from each one, you know, you take a little bit from a Lomi Lomi, a little bit from sports massage, a little bit from reflexology, and you combine them into a tapestry. Are there words that you have put together to try to describe the tapestry that you've cultivated over your decades doing this? I tell people that I specialize in therapeutic sports massage. Uh, My main focus is stretching and opening and not beating people up because I get the same therapeutic effects from massage that incorporates more movement and stretching than I would get from doing a deep tissue where you're causing pain. So I think that's part of my gift is is having a feel for the perfect amount of pressure and being able to combine both therapeutic and relaxation in the same session. And it doesn't scare clients away because a lot of the time, you know, people say, oh, I had a massage, but I hurt for three days after. So I'm never going back to that person. Well, that person was trying their best to do the best that they could to help you. But that pain caused them to never come back. What's the difference between your practice now and your practice, say, just five years ago? I did start my own company five years ago, going out and doing in-home massages. And and I work at all the resorts and timeshares in Hilton Head. Doing the alcohol massages are really a personal experience. You're going in and you're doing it right in the person's home. It's really been amazing for me because it allows me to make my own schedule so I can have more time with the kids as opposed to working at a spa where you could have an eight-hour shift, but you only get one massage. So you have to block yourself out for eight hours of the day, but you're only actually working for one hour. As far as technique, it's just really mastering my personal technique because no two massages are the same, and each person's going to have a different puzzle that you need to solve. You talk about working in people's homes and working in spas and different types of environments. Can you kind of compare and contrast different environments in which you've given massages? Absolutely. Each one is comes with its own positives and negatives. 
if you're talking about working at a spa, the positive is that you have coworkers and you have friends that you work with and you're seeing a wide range of clients, which especially for new therapists, it's a great training tool because you're, you're getting to experience a whole bunch of different clients, different troubleshooting and ad- adaptation, which helps you learn. The problem also is that you have managers who sometimes don't know anything about massage uh, and they're just corporate. So you have to deal with the ins and outs. As far as working at a health club, it was perfect for me with having a sports background. At the same time, like when the recession hit, massage is a luxury item. And, And so when times are tough, like we're going through now, it turns into a luxury item. So people tend to, to slow down. As far as working in in-home, it's nice because it's a more of a personal experience. You're going in just by yourself into their home and you're providing a relaxing atmosphere and a spa quality massage in the comfort of their own home. The major bonus is that you get to keep all the money as opposed to a spa or other facility where you're getting 40%, 50% for the same exact massage. Now, I would imagine that you show up in someone's house. It's an exceedingly intimate experience. I mean, all massage is intimate. Absolutely. I think, maybe you would disagree, but I think, is it fair to say that all massage experiences absolutely so intimate intimate in the in the sense of a a connection between the people being in someone's home that makes it more intimate it makes it more personal as an analogy it would be like going to a restaurant where you've got tons of people there as opposed to a chef coming to your house and making the same exact meal you know it's more it makes it gives the feeling of it's more tailored to that person even though the product is similar Similar, yes. Hmm. I'm not sure how to ask this, (laughs) but I would imagine that there are scenarios in which the lines of intimacy get blurred, where you have clients who, you know, you make them feel really good and you empower them. They cross lines uh, or they're tempted to. I'd imagine you've had your hands on some more attractive clients and, um, you know, you have to uh, deal with that. And I'm sure you do so professionally. Can you talk about the difficulties of intimacy? Absolutely. A good way to, to look at that is that we as the therapists are in a power situation where we're there trying to help the client. And sometimes the lines can get blurred from their end. We as therapists try to portray professionalism the best that we can. And sometimes the client can misconstrue that. I personally have had in 20 years, maybe five women in 20 years that wanted to cross the line. But I've probably had several hundred gay guys or straight guys try. Because guys seem more open to asking or being forceful in their tone with you. Basically, you just immediately cut them off and say, I just want to make sure you understand that this is a professional environment. I'm here to do a professional massage. I want to make sure you understand that nothing else is going to happen that way. Uh, If it continues, then you say, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to end the massage and leave and charge you the full price. With my business, I have four female therapists that work with the company. 
And if they go into a resort, I tell them, if you're in the room and you're uncomfortable, say, I'm sorry, I have to end the massage. I don't feel comfortable and leave and leave your table there. Go down to security, tell security what happened. Security will escort you back up to the room for you to collect your belongings and get paid. It's more of an issue for female therapists. I I don't ever feel intimidated, but you want to try to draw that friendly line to not embarrass the client, but you also want to express your professionalism and uh, make sure that they understand. That's one of those questions where I could go off for 10 minutes. I'm ima- I imagine you have scores of stories. Oh, absolutely. Some of which are kind of dark. Does, I mean, have you, have you found yourself in a dark place with that where you had to like... Absolutely. Well... Take a few breaths? Only once, really. And that was when I was in massage school. I started working for a company before I even graduated. And they sent me to a guy's condo halfway through the massage, he started trying to grab me and I told him no. And he ended up getting off the table naked and chasing me around the room where I had to actually stop him and tell him no and leave the room. And so that next day I had a test in class and I normally would drive down to school two hours early and go to a coffee shop and review all my notes. Well, I had straight A's throughout massage school. And that one test, I failed. Because that next morning, everything I read and reviewed didn't stick. It was like a post-traumatic stress situation. Absolutely. And so thankfully, the teacher allowed me to retake the test. That's the only time it's ever um, gotten to me. That being my first real experience with it was traumatic. I'm sorry you had to endure that. It's obviously something you'd never forget. Because of the nature of the intimacy, having you know nothing to do with assault, which is what we were talking about, but because of the nature of the intimacy, you do bring yourself wholeheartedly to the massage table. When you're not having such a great day, to what degree and in what ways does that impact your ability to perform at your job? Well, that's a great question. Once you start the treatment, you you ground yourself and you close yourself off to the outside world and you focus just on that client. So it's really never a problem. You know, I could be talking football with a client and my hands just go. It's muscle memory. When you've done something over 25,000 times, they just go. You know, for each session, you try to ground yourself and be focused. One of the hardest things that you deal with as a massage therapist, is the silence. It's not so much if you're having a bad day as if you're having a bad month. Say you're going through a divorce. It's very hard to sit in silence for six straight hours if you have six massages and none of the clients want to talk because it's very common to have like brain worms that no matter how hard you try, you just can't get these thoughts out of your head. Probably the hardest thing I've had to deal with in my career is if you are going through a bad time, not so much a bad day, to separate yourself from thinking about it during the silence and focusing on the client. That's part of professionalism. You know, one of the most unprofessional things a massage therapist can do is act like a counselor. 
you know, that's not within our scope of practice. We don't have the training to be a counselor. So even if a client is going through a divorce and wants to talk to you about it for an hour, you have to make sure that you separate yourself professionally from giving advice. In addition, you don't want to put your problems onto the client because they could be the nicest people in the world and want to talk to you the entire time and ask you all these questions about what's going on. But then they could go to the front desk afterwards and be like, well, it was a good massage, but that guy talked the whole time. And then you as a therapist, you're like, they were asking me questions the whole time, you know? So listen, I've had the good fortune of having 100 massages in my life. And I will tell you that I have not enjoyed a conversation. And one of them, I do not want to speak or be spoken to during a massage. What's your position? I think that falls into the aspect of adaptation, adapting to each client. So I was a bartender for six years before I became a massage therapist. So I have no problem talking if they want to talk. It's really what the client wants. And so, but then when they talk to you, the best thing to do is not ask follow-up questions. Me personally, I don't talk during the session unless they talk to me. I'd rather focus on what I'm doing. I want to provide a therapeutic massage, but I also want to provide that relaxation. And I feel that the talking can kind of pull away from that. So personally, I'd prefer to just not talk, but at the same time, when people do talk to you the whole hour, it goes by a lot faster. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. Is it gendered? Do men or women tend to be more likely to speak to you when you're working? I would say women talk more, but, um, but no, it's across the spectrum. I don't want to simplify gender, but is there one gender that's perhaps more comfortable around you than the other on the massage table? No, not at all. Because I find that my professionalism and my expertise comes through through my hands, if you can understand that. Once they feel what I'm doing, they, they, it doesn't matter. Do women or men prefer a male therapist more or a female therapist? What I've learned is that it's actually very regional. You know, I've worked in California and Colorado where they just want the best therapist. They don't care. And now in South Carolina, I definitely fought a male stigma the first four or five years living here. And thankfully, my skills and personal references won out. But down in the South, you know, you've got men who don't want to be touched by another man. They don't want a man touching their wife. So there's the stigma involved here. Um, but I do think that's regional. How many massages do you give on an average day, if that's a fair question? Well, that has changed over my career. You know, I was an athlete my whole life, so I'm in really good shape. And I went to one of the best schools in the country that really taught body mechanics, which is what it's all about, to be able to do it without getting tired. So I actually did about, um, I was doing 10 a day uh, in the Caribbean for the first four years I lived there. And then when I went to California, I would say I was doing six a day. And now I'm, I'm doing maybe anywhere from two to six a day. When I was in the Caribbean, we taught a couples class, mainly focused on teaching couples how to massage each other, not only some general techniques, but more importantly, teaching them how to be able to do it for more than five minutes without getting tired. 
for me, it's like running a marathon. I can do 10 in a row without any problem. But as soon as I sit down, it all hits you at once. And so the worst thing is to have a massage and then a two-hour break and then a massage and a two-hour break. What have you figured out is the best trick to get you geared up for the next massage after a two-hour break? Once you start it, you fall into it. You know, you generally work from general to specific, meaning from light to deep. That first five, 10 minutes, you're basically just doing generic um, warming up strokes. That is enough time to get you focused and into it. You had mentioned some of the wormholes that you're, you might crawl down mentally. How conscious are you 20 years into the game of what your hands are do- doing? How much are you thinking about the work versus thinking about anything else? <laughs> I truly feel blessed to have the skills I do. I feel as though I'm talking to the muscle. My hands can literally communicate with the muscles and they tell me exactly what they want. It sounds crazy, but it's it's true. I am completely in tune with what I'm feeling and what's going on in the client's body, which can be frustrating at times too, because if a client comes in and says, I just want to relax, I just want to fall asleep. And you get in there and you feel all these knots, you know, it's like, do you remember Rambo too, where Rambo had to go in and found the POWs, but then they wouldn't let him save them. <laughs> so when you get in there and you're feeling all these things that you know you can fix, but they don't want you to fix them. They just want to relax. So that could be frustrating at times, but that's also part of being a great therapist is that you're not giving them what you want to do. You're giving them what they want. I believe uh, you compared yourself to Rambo. <laughs> I just want to put that out I did. I tell you. <laughs> uh, I'd imagine most massage therapists are average by definition. How does an average massage therapist become great? Anyone can learn to give a nice relaxing massage. The way you elevate yourself through education, you know, and I was blessed to have gone to one of the best schools in the country, which was a two-year program. Most of the schools nowadays are six months to a year. And so the kids are kind of being shipped in and shipped out and don't have that time to really focus and take their time learning. Continuing education is so important. One of the beauties of our profession is that you can spend your whole life learning new techniques and, and adapting and adding those paintbrushes to your palette. Hey, Joey. Yes. Joey. Yes, Doc. Joey, can you do this for the next 20 years? Absolutely. But my ultimate goal, uh, once my kids are out of school, is to open up a massage school and teach all through retirement. So hopefully I'll be practicing for the next 15 years and then uh, teaching for another 20. So I plan to do this into my 70s and 80s and try to give all the knowledge and skills that I've accumulated and pass that on to other generations. You really love it that much, don't you? Absolutely. It's, I'm blessed to have found what I'm meant to do. I've done over 25,000 massages in my life. And so that means I've touched over 25,000 lives. Now, if I can teach 10,000 kids 
and they can do the same, then you're talking about affecting millions of lives. Well, you know you're striking a chord with me, and it makes me emotional to think about how you can kind of scale that and share that with so many more people. I'm happy for you, buddy, and I'm proud of you. It's really kind of beautiful, man. Oh, thank you. Hey, listen, we never uh, we never let one of these podcasts slip into the cold, dark night without asking our guest two questions. Is there someone that you think I should get on? I would love to hear from police officers there in Germany where you're at to, to get a bit of a, a compare and contrast because I know that throughout Europe and, and the rest of the world, they face an entirely different situation than the police do here and deal with it differently. That is a great suggestion. I uh, actually have a way that I could possibly make that happen. And if and when I do, um, I'll trust that you will listen. Would you be willing to share a professional triumph or a pro- and, and a professional failure I would say that my triumph would be starting my own business. You know, it's a very scary thing to do. You know, it's all on you. As scary as each step of the way was, I somehow succeeded and and actually overshot my expectations. I, I'm glad that I didn't allow my anxiety and fear stop me because it's been a blessing on the other side. Failures, I've worked at Five Diamond Resorts. I've worked at one of the top resorts in the entire United States. So I got a little bit of a big head working for managers and corporate who have never taken a massage class in their life sometimes I would butt heads with them. To have people that know nothing about massage telling you what to do made it sometimes hard for me to get along with and understand my superiors. And in which case, they can fire you no matter how good you are. So that's why it's nice to have my own business now. (laughs) Uh, I'm so grateful that you were willing to make some time to talk with me. And can I just double down and say how proud I am of you for having found such a lifetime of joy in your work. It's not been maybe the easiest path, but you are a total stud (laughs) at what you do. I'm eternally grateful that you're my friend and that you're willing to share some ideas with me about your work. So thanks, Joey Jojo. I love you and I'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Oh, what a pleasure to check in with Joey Jojo. You know, the dude sounds more chicago to me than I remember. He lives around the world, and he sounds increasingly like Ditka. Maybe he's got to turn it up a little bit living in the South. I don't know. Maybe I could have asked him about it. Ah, right, look. It's true. Joey's got some wicked confidence about his massage game. But let me tell you, His work is redonkulous. When he talks about his hands being like magic, his hands are like magic. I hope he starts that school. That would be cool. All right. You, subscribe, leave a like, offer a comment. And pretty please, come on already. Share studs with your people. Good stuff going on here.